0: You are Locked On Utes, your daily podcast on the Utah Utes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Happy midweek edition of the Locked On Utes podcast here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Sammy Mora joins us today to talk about Britton Covey, his comments after practice, And what he remembers about his very first Oregon game, which was not coincidentally along the Oregon Trail, despite the many rumors out there on the Internet. He uh, also talks a little bit about what the preparation process is like. Sammy also shares some updates from Brandon McKinney as she spoke with him as well and how he sees the developmental arc of the Utah defense. Lastly, we talk about Devin Lloyd, the amazing, the wonderful he's here. He's there. He's everywhere being named uh, to the roster officially of the Reese's Senior Bowl. All that on a Wednesday episode of the Locked on Youth podcast for November 17th, 2021. Hello, my Utah friends and family. This is Brian Brown, co-host of the Locked On Utes podcast. Thank you for joining me on a middle of the week episode of the Locked On Utes podcast. And if it's the middle of the week, you know what that means. It's time to get our fix. No, I'm not talking about going to your favorite decoration shop, Offside Apparel. And having them fix the orders that you've messed up on all week. No, I'm not talking about whatever uh, recreational activity of choice it is that you go to uh, to find relief and peace. I'm talking about Sammy Mora, the most addicting podcaster on the Locked On Youths podcast. Sammy, how are you?
0: I'm great. What a, Once again, coming in hot with the intro.
1: I I wish I could say that it was something that I I planned on. It's just the sight of you, seeing you, getting to podcast with you that brings it out in me. Uh, But the good news is is that I'm not alone. Uh, The Sammy Mora Show is just an absolute high-trending positivity train here on the Locked on Youth Podcast. We get grave reviews every time. And so, you know, as long as Sammy will have us back, we'll come back and visit her every single time we can.
0: I'm I'm happy when people tell me that they enjoy having like hearing me on the pod, I'm like, thank you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> thank you so much. This is one of those, one of those gigs, one of those jobs where like a little like, hey, that was good goes a really long way. You're just
0: like, thank you. Thank yeah. You if I you. the two things that send me into like an emotional spiral in a good way is like comments about like my stories that I've written, like, hey, this is a really good read, or like, thanks for this, Sammy. And then people telling me that I'm like that they enjoy listening to me talk because I talk a lot, so for someone to say they like it, I'm like, thank you. I'm going to run with this. I'm going to remember this when I'm sad. So shout out to all the people who are uh, boosted my ego when I'm sad.
1: Yes. Thank you to nice people who give compliments. I think that's a very uh, underrated kind of talent. You know what I mean? Not only being able to give a compliment, but also take one. I'm terrible at taking compliments. Same.
0: Same. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I would love to give them out to people. Uh, you know who I think probably does a good job of both, Britton Covey. Yes, and I bet you probably have something to say about Britton Covey and what he's been talking about this week.
0: He has. He's been. He's been talking a lot.
1: He is um, unofficial spokesperson for the Utah football team. I mean, I listen. I'm not complaining because he's incredibly good and, and gifted and, and insightful. And I think, I mean, part of it, I think, is that he does that internship with Yogi Roth. So he's learning a lot about the media aspect of it. I think some of it is that he does a hit with Bill Riley once a week. Uh, But he's out there almost every single week, it seems. And it's always just really solid commentary. You know, some guys on this team are not uh, big talkers. We'll put it that way.
0: Yeah, Bretton's very well-spoken. He's very he knows what he wants to say and he knows how he wants to get it across. And I think another thing that people don't realize is dude remembers everything. Like, like literally they asked, we asked him in the media scrum on Monday, like how does this upcoming game versus Oregon rank on like those big time games that he's played in? And he was rattling off games that he played in that from like back in, back in the day when he was a freshman, like he was talking about how, he can, com- he, this game has the same vibe as like Michigan, his freshman year, Cal versus Jared Goff, BYU in 2018. And then when our buddy Josh Furlong of KSL, like was like, yeah, when you played Oregon your freshman year and you guys beat them like 62 to 10, Burton's like, Oh, it was 62 to 20. He's like, I can recite that game play by play for you. That's insane. I can't remember what I had for dinner two nights ago. How could he remember The score and the play from a game that happened, I think, in 2015.
1: Yeah, especially given his advanced age, where he's almost near retirement, Um, (laughs) it's a very impressive. uh, I'm I'm, yeah, it's old man mind. Yeah, it's up for grabs. Who's uh, who's older right now, me or Britton Covey? But like, I think the fascinating part about it is you look at his teammates back then. It was Kenneth Scott, Travis Wilson, uh, guys that are long have long exited the program, and and Mm -hmm. he's still. Uh, kind of fishing around, and I know that's a very common uh, joke. I guess you know, a retort, uh, anecdote, whatever with with Britain, and, and, and you know, I don't mean to make light uh, of what he's done for the program, but I think it's very interesting that he has that that breadth and that depth of uh, you know knowledge and memories for for where Utah's come because I think at that point in time, it was a monumental win for Utah and. We look at this game now, and I don't think it's necessarily Utah having to go into a game against Oregon and, and shocking the world with yeah. how well they play. This is two teams that have earned the opportunity to play one another, and uh, to the point of where it's going to be on national television at five thirty p.m. Um, you know, so I think it's um, a very different environment for Utah nowadays.
0: It is, and I think that's something else that he brought out. He brought up was like they need to learn to, even though this is such a big time game on a big stage, being on ABC and being in primetime, they need to block out that noise. Um, take it as just every, any, like any ordinary game. He said, this game isn't the same as, you can say that every game's the same, but this game, no matter how you look at it, this game is not the same as playing Cal or playing Washington state. Like this game is vastly important And even though it's it's like it's they're playing a game, but they need to prep the same way as if they're playing any other team, even though it does have so much riding on it, which Britain said, like our prep, our preparation has worked up to this point. Like, why deviate from what's been working, which I appreciate because, you know, I think last week you could say that the team kind of. Might have been thinking jumping ahead in the schedule a little bit with how things played out at Arizona, but to know that the team is still like, okay, want to know, let's just prep for this team and we'll see how it goes. I think that's that should be really comforting to Utah fans that they're like, because back in back in back in the day, like back when 2015 when Brit had that stellar game is. Utah fans were clamoring at the idea of beating a USC or beating an Oregon or beating UCLA, but now that we can do that on the regular, yeah, it still is very important to get those wins. And yeah, you still celebrate it like it's like it's the first time you've ever beat them. But goals change, and you know, back back in twenty fifteen, yeah, that was a goal was to beat Oregon, and now the goal is to get to the Pac twelve championship and get over the hump. And get to the Rose Bowl. And I think that knowing that the team is staying to its roots and staying true to themselves should be really comforting to Utah fans.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think it should. I, I'm i curious how much stock to put into last week's performance. You know what I mean? Because I think on on some fronts, offensively, it was actually a really good game. I think Utah was really versatile, uh, had some pretty positive yardage. It wasn't, I think, when you sandwich it up against how they looked against Stanford, and I think it's just, it, like, we have, that's the hard part, right? Like, we saw Stanford. Everybody loves Stanford. Stanford was incredible. And so you kind of hope that's going to be the next thing that you see is, is just a, a replication of that. And it's the Pac-12. You're not. Like, you're just never going to see that kind of thing week, week to week in this conference. It's too yeah. good. It's too – um too varied, you know, and like, I mean, I don't know if you watch the broadcast uh, that I watched, but I you know, had no idea that Don Brown was called Dr. Blitz and that he was, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm yeah, still, I'm still, I mean,
0: I get to the point sometimes in broadcast where I just mute it because it's just like, it gets too much to handle. And I think Saturday was one of them. My dad gosh. and I were muting the game 12 minutes into it. Basically. Yeah,
1: it was too much. And and I think, you know, the, some of that is, it, Probably due to the fact that Utah didn't look as crisp as maybe we had hoped, and I—I never really thought that they were going to cover the full twenty-four point spread that they were—they were given. You know, I'd watched or uh, Arizona a lot this year. Well, I, not a lot, but more than I probably should have. And I knew that that was a—a a, a football team that has potential. You know, like. Mm-hmm. Um, just not they hadn't been able to put it together. They hadn't played a full game. And I think they played a good half, uh, but just not a full game. I think one thing that they corrected against Utah that they've really struggled with is turnovers and and you know that you saw some growth from Will Plummer in that regards and mm-hmm. the way that they shuffled guys in and out. What did Britain have to say about the game?
0: He said the biggest thing is not to shoot themselves in the foot like they did last week. And I think that's huge. Um because In some instances, Arizona was able to capitalize off of Utah's mistakes, Mm -hmm. i.e. probably the blocked punt is that the first thing that comes into my mind, at least. Um, And there's other times where you see maybe Arizona could have capitalized more off of something. They walked away with a field goal instead of a touchdown because of how good the defense was playing to us like in that second half. But Oregon's different. Oregon's not going to be able to just Oregon is probably going to be able. If you turn that ball over, Oregon's going to turn it into seven. Most likely, depending on where in the field, you turn that over on. Like if you turn it in, turn it over in Utah territory, Oregon is coming away with points. You give them a short field and Troy die. Like you're, you're done. Yeah. For Travis, which I can't remember which one's there right now.
1: Travis. I think it Travis, is. Travis, Yeah. yeah. You die. give
0: them a short field and Travis, you're go, you're, you're, He's gone.
1: And that's the hard part about Oregon is it's like you said it, it's not a team that you can really afford to make mistakes against or or like Britton said shoot yourself in the foot. I don't know that they necessarily force you into a lot of that activity offensively, right? Mm-hmm. Like on offense, like you said, it's just I've called it death by a thousand cuts. Now uh, Jeff Schwartz, uh, you know, who does a lot of Pac-12 coverage for SiriusXM has been pretty vocal about the fact that you know if Anthony Brown has a bad quarter and he always does that uh, you know Oregon won't survive against a team like Utah. Mm-hmm. I, I you know I, you look at the I mean, there's a couple things to, to break down with this right offensively Travis die third in the conference with 90 yards per game uh, on 15 attempts. he's got 12 uh, rushing TDs averaging almost six yards per carry. That's a lot. Um, you know Utah is the closest back that they have is Tavion Thomas. With 82 yards per game, but he's averaging almost a, a little over six yards per carry. And then, if you look at TJ Pledger, what he's doing right now is just ridiculous with 7.28 yards per carry, but only 50 yards a game. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of that is just the the big run against Stanford, and it's skewing you know, the,
0: it's skewing everything.
1: Every every uh, yeah, just that little bit, but. Uh, You know, Anthony Brown is also a run threat, you know, runs about 10 times a game for 55 yards, has eight TDs rushing. And and so I think they're not really out to, you know, get you in terms of like making you pay the way the Oregon teams of the past have on offense. Mm -hmm. Uh, Defensively, a little different, right? Like this is a kind of a scary Oregon defense. And uh, it starts and ends with Kayvon Thibodeau. Uh, you know, Noah Sewell, another big part of this uh, defense, but they're pretty solid across the defensive line. Even the secondary is is reliable. And so did Britton have anything to say about Oregon in that regard?
0: So he said the way to win this game is to have explosive plays on like explosive plays just in general. The Utah offense needs to create explosive plays and the Utah defense needs to limit the explosive plays that Oregon has, which you can see that because of like note like like all those stats you just listed off. Like Oregon, Utah's offense is going to have an up not an uphill battle, but they're going to have a hard task against this defense. Kayvon Thibodeau is probably going to be top five pick in the NFL draft, maybe, probably, most likely. And the offensive line is going to have their hands full with him. Plus, you have Noah Sewell coming in out of the out of the linebacking core. And if Utah can get those big plays, I think it's going to be, it's going to be more, it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be close. I don't think it's going to be like a very like blowouty game, but the last thing that Britain did to say that I thought was really important was coaches change throughout the conference and how quickly and how rapidly they change as we're seeing unfold this season. But identities of teams don't change as much. And he said that Oregon is one of those teams that's been consistent with their identity, even though they've had a couple of coaching changes since he's been in the conference. And since he's been at Utah, their identity has mainly stayed the same, which, you know, I agree with you, Oregon, you can always count on having a good back and then solid receivers who are going to be able to bring down balls when they need to. And on the defense, it's always just going to be like hard nosed defense. That is scary.
1: Attacking defense, very much Mm -hmm. so. And I think when we think of Oregon, we think of that Chip Kelly offense that was super high flying. But we kind of neglect to think about what really was the basis and the foundation of that offense. It was the run game. Mm -hmm. And this run game is a little bit different. I think it's a little more uh, Novocaine ish. A little more, you know, kind of lulling you to sleep and just, you know, chunk, chunk, chunk yardage. They're not really trying to go over the top,
0: wearing you down. Yep. It's a exactly. wear-you-down type of situation. Like
1: Exactly what they did against Washington State.
0: They will, like, if they don't get seven yards on the first carry, they're going to keep going until they get that seven yards. Yeah. And they're just going to rinse and repeat. Mm-hmm.
1: And they've got the guys up front to do it. They've got the backs, and, and they have the change of play pace talent at the wide receiver position to go over the top if you try to – cheat up and, 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 and stop it. And so it's it's a big, tall ask for the University of Utah, especially this defense where, the, you know, the rush defense has still been much maligned. Um, we'll but talk about improving,
0: that. but it's improving.
1: Without a doubt, yeah, very much so. I think, you know, for as much as we talked about last week being kind of an icky game, uh, they still did manage to hold uh, Arizona State to, I think it was under 100 yards rushing, wasn't it?
0: I'm pretty sure. Let's
1: you should you, you would think that by now I'd learned to have the stats up and ready to go.
0: Um, I mean same, but yeah, here we are.
1: yards. So, yeah.
0: So not not terrible, but like it wasn't Oregon state level disastrous of a rush defense, but it wasn't like other good t- oh
1: The Oregon State game was, was bizarre, right? Like, like yeah. that was a major outlier, I think, for the most part. Um, I, I shouldn't say major because it's, it's been happening. Um, but, yeah, like, like it wasn't uh, – Winningham, I think, summed it up really well in his comments. He just said, uh, uh, like, the early rush defense was not great. And I think that's a great way to sum it up. Didn't
0: he say something along the lines against – after the BYU game that, like – he would have bet his house that we wouldn't lose on the line of scrimmage or in the trenches.
1: Yeah, and I, I think th-
0: that just shows where the, the rush defense was at at that point was not good.
1: No, and and it's, you know, I it, it's it's been kind of a weird conundrum all year long. I think some of it is just you've been introducing new guys. You lost Avian Mawala. I think it was finding the right combination of guys out there, you know, Aliki Vamahi mm-hmm. was not with the team uh, last Saturday. That one kind of ran under the radar, but um I believe his father passed away, and and we send our best obviously out to the Vamahi family and and Leakey as well. Yes. Um, yeah, it it just I I think the biggest thing is that you had such a, a, a tremendous effort, you know. Um, watching Stanford and it was just it
0: mm-hmm. was just
1: embarrassing for Stanford, but awesome for Utah, and uh, you know it just it looks so different. I it
0: mean. does. I will say that I do think Britain is due for a breakout game. Um, you know, teams have finally started to figure out like that he is such a weapon, but now that Utah has a lot more other weapons, AKA like the entire tight end room, Valet solo and Theo, I think that teams are going to stop putting as much focus on Britain and focus on doing containing the other receiving weapons that Utah has. So I wouldn't be surprised if Britain puts up yards, not like either this week or against Colorado or sometime in the future, but I think he's due for a breakout, another breakout game. It's just, I feel like it's, it's time. Like we've had receivers who have had huge games this season. Why not Britain finally?
1: Yeah. And and this may be, so I think my, my, as we'll talk about this, I'm sure, as we break down Oregon further. My, my kind of early read on this one is Utah's tight ends versus the Oregon defense and how do you use them? And if Oregon commits to trying to stop the tight ends, I think it does open up uh, things for Britton Covey. And, and you know, maybe there's a little extra Covey magic left over from that 2015 game that Britton can go out there and sprinkle on the field. I, I think while they are saying all the right things, you know, in front of the camera and talking about how they're preparing the same as they always prepare, uh, I'm sure there are aspects of this game that they're considering very deep down in terms of, uh, you know, you're playing this game to win, right? Like mm-hmm. there's no doubt about it, but you also kind of know in the back of your mind that if it doesn't go your direction, it's you gotta, not the end. Yeah. Cause you're probably going to see Oregon in, in two weeks in, in Las Vegas anyways. So, um, that'll be a fascinating, uh, I think thing to watch is, is how much does Utah really, uh, show in, in this game and how much do they really put into it uh, as opposed to years past where I think they've kind of been you know like a little vanilla in some of these bigger games just kind of hoping mm-hmm. to ride the rush and, and execute and things like that so I'll be curious to see if they, they really change things up or, or, or go to you know maybe a a few uh, trick plays or things like that I, bring
0: I back wouldn't... the flea flicker <sighs>
1: man they, need, they desperately need a, Four. a starter like that
0: or the Covey. I talked about this play the other day because of how much I love it. Britton Covey's touchdown pass to Tyler Huntley during the Arizona U- Proud game a couple years ago. Bring that back. Bring it back. Start start the petition, folks. Let's get it back.
1: I want to say it was might have been not Weber State, but I know one game this year. He looked the,
0: like he was going to throw, but then he tucked it and ran. Yeah. Tucked
1: it and ran. So I think you've got some, uh, a lot of potential with him back there anyways. It would be fascinating to see uh, what happens with that. Uh, Just wanted to take a second to thank you all for making Locked On Utes your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And as part of that, uh, being free and available, we'd like to talk about some of our good friends at various companies. And and one of those friends is Prize Picks. Prize Picks is Daily Fantasy Made Easy. I know that Sammy's a big fan of it. She loves fantasy football. How's your fantasy team doing right now? Uh oh.
0: No comment. Hmm. You I mean, I we st- we we started out real good. We started out real good, and then Derek uh, Derek Henry and Calvin Ridley, Ooh. and now I'm like struggling. Also, I had Patrick Mahomes as my quarterback, so it's been a rough little Ooh, little yeah, stretch. Yeah, and my not- backup was Baker, so you know, not good.
1: <laughs> tough, tough road, and that's what's great about. uh, Prize picks is it's daily fantasy, so you don't have to get stuck with the same roster or try and maneuver and make trades when you lose a player. You can choose anywhere from two to five players and whatever over under on their projections and win up to 10 times on any entry. It's just you versus those numbers. The good news with it, too. If you use the promo code locked on, you'll get a 100 percent instant deposit match up to $100. Uh, Just have to use that promo code locked on. You can choose players from power five G five. I know Sammy loves the G five
0: i do actually i really like watching some of these smaller teams i like it yeah it's a good change of pace oh yeah like i love watching malik willis Mm. at liberty i enjoy watching him play football
1: Mm -hmm. a lot (laughs) so good choice yeah Uh, bailey zappe zappy uh for western kentucky yeah, another good name that I've been uh, you know, I've been following that one along. So, go to Prize Picks right now. You can use the Award Winning app on both the Apple App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's just that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate, check out prizepicks.com. Use that promo code locked on or go to your App Store and download the app today. Prize Picks, again is
0: daily fantasy made easy. Back
1: at it here on the Locked on Utes podcast. Thank you for making Locked on Utes your first listen every day. We are free. We are available. And we are on all platforms. I did get the notice. YouTube happening soon. Uh, We won't subject Sammy to appearing on YouTube if she doesn't want to. uh, Because we know that there will be like Bieber-like adoration for her. You know, showing her face at, at, at pretty much any venue right now. So...
0: I mean, <laughs> I mean, I was at the high school football game on Friday and I didn't have my backpack on, my, my infamous red so backpack. You. No, my mom texted me and she was like, where's your backpack? <laughs> and I was like, it's in the press box, Michelle. Just <laughs> kidding. I love my mom. <laughs> that sounds
1: like something that my mother would do as well. She texts me all the time when there's like not an episode or it doesn't drop on time. She's like, what's the matter with it? And I'm like, well, ma'am, uh, no, but um." It's it's good to have those kinds of fans and those supporters, uh, you know, because I think, um, you know, it's like everybody needs, you know, a little extra juice now and then. And I think Utah's defense has gotten a little bit of extra juice from somebody that's a new ish supporter. That's Brandon McKinney. We haven't talked about Brandon a whole ton here on the podcast, but you had a good uh, chat with him. What did he have to say? Talk much about the seasons up to this point?
0: So. I mainly talked to him about like last week and then this week. And speaking of juice, perfect segue. Thank you for giving me that like softball. Mm. Um, Appreciate it. Um, I asked him because, you know, he is a transfer from Washington and he's played in a lot of these like big time games. Um, And especially against Oregon, because Oregon, Washington, you know, it's one of those big rivalries you have up in the North. And he just said, it is another game, but there's going to be more people there at hopefully a packed rice cycle stadium. Everyone be in your seats before five thirty. 30. Um, and at the end of the day, you just treat it like that. But he said, there is more of a juice feel to it. I'm not going to lie to you. We are just going to really do the same things we've been doing every week and just kind of grow and learn from last week. I love how every player I've talked to this season always mentions the juice. And I think that might be the unofficial like catchphrase of this team is like got juice or like juiced up. So like t-shirt makers, let's, let's get some, let's get something going. But I also asked him, I was like, so you've played in a lot of Oregon games, like some more than some of the guys on this team because of like how the schedule rotates and stuff. And he said they're going into an open mind. Um, He has played past Oregon teams, but they were with different head coaches and a little bit different offenses. But um, every year they have great athletes, good coaches, and they're a top four team in the nation. Um, So we need to give them our best shot, which, you know, a best shot from Utah, like, like what do you think best shot from Utah is? Best shot from Utah is like, like what game is, do you think would be considered Utah's best shot at Oregon? Cause I think it's a combination of a couple of games.
1: Yeah, that's a tough one because I think like this has been a uh, a mixed bag, I think, for a Utah team, right? Like I don't know that we've seen really a a defensive effort where I was just like uh, blown away. Um, USC was a really impressive performance, but I mm-hmm. think that one's kind of fallen by the wayside a little bit. Uh, when you followed it up with the way that they came back against Arizona State, like that, maybe that one, right? Like where you struggle a little bit in the first half and then come out and just eliminate their Decimate offensive. them. Yeah. So, uh, like, I think that would be the kind of, you know, performance that I'm looking for, closing strongly uh, at home in a night game. But mm-hmm. um, I think part of the reason why they're they're also, you know, um talkative about the juice is just the way the season started and i think it's very visible that the team is a lot more animated a lot more invested in what's going on uh i wonder at what point they start to run out of gas a little bit because it's been a very emotional roller coaster for this team um Mm -hmm. you know and, and i think maybe you're starting to see that a little bit with with some of the performances week to week you know from stanford to arizona um what was his kind of take on, on, on the week-to-week difference?
0: So he just said, we got to go back and work harder. There's a lot of great people on this team, both offensive and defensively. And you know how earlier in, in the pod, you talked about how a win's a win in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. That's literally what Brandon said. He said, yeah. a win is a win at the end of the day. Um, in the Pac-12, it's any team is capable of beating you, So you never want to look overlook anyone. And we knew that going into that game, they were going to give us their best shot, but I think we did pretty good. It's just going back and working and looking at the film and learning.
1: I think it's interesting to hear that coming from him because he's coming from a school where most of his time was spent at Washington, Mm -hmm. not at Utah. And so it's not just Utah where these phrases are doled out. It's also Washington. And that's really... it it sounds so redundant and and cliche but it's also really true winning football games is extremely hard and I think we kind of miss because we miss, you know, ninety percent of what goes into the preparation for it and, and what you have to do in order to win games. And yeah, you know, we're not watching every single player from play to play. And, and I bet if you sat and watched Brandon McKinney, there are some plays where he plays extremely well, some plays where he doesn't, and, and you can kind of see the inconsistency a little bit, but he does play with a lot of juice and a lot of fire. He comes up hard and, and closes and, and likes to bring some, you know, some athleticism and some pop to his hits you know i i kind of wish that he would have been at utah more than more than just this year because i think the emphasis that utah puts on on being physical but also um developed and 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 form tackling uh would really help him a lot he's also coming into a system where safeties are required to do so much different things you know we they call them alley players where where there's you know mainly taught to play the hashes both coming up in the run game for support but also dropping back into the pass lanes and so he's had to do a lot of different things and and I'm sure it stretched him a little bit but it does sound like his mindset's in the right place what else did he have to say about the game going forward so, so I
0: also asked him about I asked him about Cole Bishop because we all know we all saw how Cole played on Saturday you know he had outside of the two penalties that he was caught for he had eight very 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 solid game. Kid was flying all over the field. He was doing everything. And McKinney said that he's excited to see where he goes in his career and he he's going to be a problem in the future is what he said, which I think we got a glimpse of on Saturday. But if you just think, just 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 picture with me for a second, Cole Bishop in this system for three to four years how good of a player he can be and I think I think you see glimpses of it every now and again like that sack he had that was a my twitter bio used to say lover of safety blitzes because I love safety blitzes bring me so much joy that when I saw that I literally looked at my dad and I was like safety blitz and he was like yeah and so if you have Cole in that system and I think having him learn from Brandon and also Vontae Davis, it's, it's going to be good to see how he does. And I asked, I asked Brandon about that. I said, like you and Vontae, two upperclassmen in the safety group, like, what is your mentality? Because you're still trying to acclimate to this program to a certain extent too. You haven't been here for that long. And He basically said he just wants to be there for his teammates, whether it's showing them in a drill or going to the film room. He wants to take them along the way. But he also said he singled out Cole and he said Cole has been doing that all year long. Um, And he said, I don't want to say they're all young minded, but we're all thinking along the same ways. Which. If you have eighteen-year-old freshmen thinking about thinking of, of football the same way as your veteran seniors, I think you're in a good place for the development of those freshmen. Come the time they're seniors,
1: <sighs> that's an interesting perspective because I think, on one hand, it's one of those things that seems so obvious, right? Like, like, like uh, just. But on the other, it's just I think trying to execute it and and still win games can be a little complicated. And I think we're kind of seeing that, you know, with Utah. but it, I think that's really kind of what's unique about this Utah defense is that it is anchored by some really strong leadership and some strong seniors. And I think that's what's allowed some of the freshmen and the newcomers to develop. You know, I, I remember at the start of the season, I was saying, you know guys like Clark Phillips, Van Philinger, you know, all those guys were, Uh, experienced and I look back at that and I feel like I was dumb for saying that because they really aren't and they grew a lot I think in the last you know uh, last stretches they're actually playing a full season uh, Mm -hmm. for once and actually playing football and not COVID football Um, but I think that's part of what makes this defense unique and what's been special about it is that you know you've had Devin Lloyd and Brandon McKinney and and Vontae Davis you know guys who can anchor the defense as as experienced guys who can help those young guys uh, you know stick with it and, and perform. So uh, not, not surprised because Brandon's a pretty um, well-spoken guy.
0: Yeah. He was, he was really good. And when I asked him about this game, the one thing that he pointed out was something that we kind of briefly touched on in the last uh, segment was the dual threat nature of Anthony Brown. Um, he said that that's one of their biggest focuses for this week as, as, a, as a defense and specifically as like a secondary was focusing on quarterback runs what they do out of an empty set and just containing anthony brown because like that's a hard that's a hard task because if you have a pocket passer you know that if you can get to him like it's probably like he's there's a chance he's not going to get anywhere but if you have that dual threat quarterback who can tuck it and will have designated like and designed quarterback brushes that opens up so much more for these defenses that they have to prepare for. And I think it's really, it's smart to acknowledge the issue and acknowledge what you guys have to deal with before people start throwing it at you. Be like, what about this? What about this? What about this? And I think Brandon acknowledging that, yeah, we need to contain Anthony Brown before anything else is kind of a big deal because if you can limit him, you limit this offense.
1: interesting um hmm like i want to have something thoughtful to respond to that but i'm just i'm not sure like i'm now i'm really curious to see how this plays out right because like if if that's their approach if that's the game plan is to limit him and then and then you stop the offense i mean in theory that should work right like like, yeah because if you if
0: you limit him from rushing it or throwing it mm -hmm. they're gonna have to rely on die and their other backs. And if you can figure out your defensive line and stack the box, Mm -hmm. you're, you're going to limit them. Yeah. Because if he can't throw the ball and he can't rush the ball, what do you have to do?
1: I mean, in theory, like, right, right. Like that's, that's, yeah. And this is all
0: in theory. Like I am no, Mm -hmm. in no means like, Morgan Scalley drawing up defensive schemes. Like, that's well, not what I do.
1: And here's the other thing, too, that I think when we talk about defense and, and schematics and everything like that, like, you always have to pick your poison against an offense, right? There are some things where you're going to have to learn to live with it. And so you have to scheme to take away the things that you feel are going to be most important. So if it's Anthony Brown, are you are you planning on living with Travis Dye then? Or are you planning on them trying to pivot to something different? Or, or you know, I, I, I'm just...
0: It's... It is interesting to think about. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think more than anything, I'm just curious to see how that looks on Saturday. um, Because I think in, you know, just general conversation, it makes a ton of sense.
0: It does. Because like, like you said, if Anthony Brown has, has a bad quarter, the rest of the offense seems to follow suit. If they can have him in that position where he's uncomfortable, the entire game, Utah might benefit from it because I personally think I would rely, see, and like you never know what type of defense you're gonna get from Utah from week in to week out. I know that might be a controversial hot take, but you don't know if Utah's rush defense is gonna show up at 115 or if they're gonna show up at 75. And the same with the with the secondary. The secondary to me hasn't had a truly magnificent game where I'm like, dang, the secondary had a magnificent game. Like, and that's what's so like interesting to think about with the youth of this team is it's, you don't know what team you're going to get. And I like with certain teams, like a Washington state, you know that you need to focus on air raid or with Oregon state, we know we needed to focus on rush defense, but with something like Oregon that has both Again, yeah, like you said, it's pick your po. It's like pick your poison. Which one do you want? Do you want rush defense or do you want pass defense? And then you just kind to have to make sure it all works.
1: Yeah, and that's the that's the reality. And and I think that's we've kind of boiled it down into some very um, I don't want to say cliche, but some some basic terminology. But that's really what it comes down to is you kind of have to take a shot and throw your strategy out there and see if it works. And I think part of what we're so used to as Utah fans is seeing it work, right? Like, yeah, and that's why I think the defense has been a little bit of a uh, a, a crapshoot this
0: year. But also, Morgan, like Morgan Scally is one of the best coaches at defensive adjustments at halftime. You go out there and you they they start chucking it around. You, then you come in at half, or you come in at the end of the quarter, and you you strategize and you change your you pivot. You pivot your focus to something else. That's what this is about is you need to make sure that there's no, there's never going to be a perfect game plan. There's always going to be whoever you're playing is always going to throw something at you that you are not expecting. That's what makes football so fun.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. And I think a lot of it comes down to, you know, having the proper, you know, scenarios visualized in your head. Like when we're fans, we think of everything being 56 to nothing. When you're players, you think about executing on third and long or Mm -hmm. or whatever the situations that you put your emphasis on. Uh, Sammy, real quick, I want you to close your eyes, and and everybody just have to trust me, and I want you to picture in your head what I'm about to say to you, okay? Okay. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours but on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. Sammy, are you prepared to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle now?
0: Yes. (laughs) I don't use spreadsheets, but yes, you sold me.
1: I have have had to adapt to the spreadsheet life, uh, for sure. It, it's uh, you know part of my daily daily usage now, and I think everybody you know in the world of business eventually has to go that way. Um, but the good thing is is that you don't have to be ruled by spreadsheets. Uh, Netsuite is the number one cloud financial system that can help you power your growth. It gives you visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budgeting, and more. It is everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, NetSuite, you can automate your processes and cho- close your books in no time, while staying well ahead of your competition. Ninety-three percent of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. We probably need to get some NetSuite action for for Ute Zone and, and all the stuff that we write there. Right, that ninety-three percent increase sounds nice and juicy. But the good news is that uh, you know if you go to netsuite.com right now slash locked on NCAA for a special end of the year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. Uh, NetSuite is offering a one of a kind financing program to those who are ready to upgrade. Again, that address is NetSuite.com slash locked on NCAA that's NetSuite.com slash locked on NCAA. Build bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. If you haven't tried one by now, uh, I don't know what you've been waiting for. Cause we talk about it all the time in the podcast. Uh, people call it a protein bar. It does not taste like one at all. Uh, you have to try one to really understand it and and sometimes it takes finding your favorite flavor to really get the buy-in i know for my bosses in particular uh once i started bringing around the uh, grasshopper mint they were all in uh we snack on the cookies and cream and cherry bar a little bit here and there too uh there is one available on the website right now uh coconut brownie chunk that i highly recommend also i've tried the Paranormal Pumpkin, and I quite enjoyed that one as well. The puffs are kind of a nice break, a little bit more of a chewy, almost marshmallowy y uh, style protein bar. The best part about it, uh, 140 calories, 17, gram, 17 grams of protein, only 7 grams of sugar for that one. Some of the other flavors, uh, all the way up to 19 grams of protein and five, only 5 grams of sugar. So it keeps you both feeling satisfied, keeping you healthy, giving you protein, which your body needs in massive amounts and also makes you happy because they taste delicious, real chocolate in every single bar. So don't wait any longer. Go to built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. It is the best deal out there on the internet. LOCKED15 for 15% off at
0: built.com.
1: Wrapping things up here on the Locked on Utes podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. And as always, one of our favorite days of the week when Sammy Mora joins us to talk about uh, practice reports, game reviews. Uh, we really haven't gotten into too much of music. You were listening to some good music, weren't you?
0: I was. Mm-hmm. Um, Come clean. Those of you who know me, I have a lot of I listen to a lot of different music. But before we started recording, I was listening to uh, my nice classic rock playlist that oh. I have. Yeah, yep. listening to some AC/DC.
1: Mm. One of my favorites. Uh, I I can't recall a single summer that I wasn't in the weight room uh, working out to AC/DC. Uh, you know who I think? Uh, if, if we're going based on on work workouts, weight room, all that kind of stuff, is there a particular player that stands out in your mind as somebody that's probably spent a lot of time there from the University of Utah?
0: I mean seeing how he is from freshman year to now, I have to say Devin Lloyd.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the one that comes into my mind as well. Uh, some of that is just because uh, there was a big announcement this, uh, I, I guess it was yesterday. Um, Devin Lloyd was named to the Reese's Senior Bowl team, and he's one of the first, uh, one of the early announces, um, and, and one of the first... To be named to, to actually go to the bowl game. Uh what's your take on what this means for Devin and 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 where he's you know where he's starting to, to fall in terms of draft profiles?
0: I have always been such a fan of Devin. Um he's just he's everything you kind of want in a linebacker. He is just hard nosed. He hits well he he can get downfield he can get to the quarterback he, he can put him in coverage. I love him I think I think we all knew that he was going to be a draft pick but I don't think we all I think I think where he's being projected like in like er, like late first round now I'm like gasp because I I expected it but like you know whenever you look at a mock draft and you see a Utah player that high and you kind of have to just sit back and think you're like wow we have a first round draft pick playing at Utah right now or we have an early second round draft pick playing at Utah right now. And I think watching every snap Devin plays is like that. It's like, Oh my God. Like, Oh my God, Devin Lloyd, like, what's he going to do now? Like I'm always on the edge of my seat, whatever I see him get free. I'm like, okay, is he going to have an interception on the two yard line that gets counted as that he gets into the end zone and it's a pick six, or is he going to have a sack or what's he going to do? So Devin's fantastic. I will, always loved evan lloyd no matter what nfl team he goes to and i think he's he's setting himself up for a really good career honestly
1: he is and i think a lot of it is due to his versatility and what he's been able to do this season a, a really impressive um you know just to, to where he's played and and everything that he's done for this team i think you kind of brought up a point that was um something that i like i i kind of have this expectation for him to do something unbelievable or amazing every game. And if he doesn't, I feel like he didn't play that well. And then I go back and look at the stats and just realize, like, he's done everything again. You Mm -hmm. know, he didn't. You know, have a, a touchdown for an interception or a fumble return or anything like that, but he made tackles. You know, he was where he needed to be, and and it's just there are these moments where you see him come up and make a tackle, and you're just like, that's got to be so frustrating as an offensive player that you're going up against this guy, and you just know that like you're dead in the water, and and that's really I think that combined with his leadership is really what makes him super special to me. Um, you know, he is. He he's the epitome of what Utah does right they, they find yeah. these diamonds in the rough and they develop them and, and it's guys who want to work hard and, and, and do the right things and and they make great you know great strides because of it
0: and looking at his stats just right now he's only 0.5 sacks away from setting from like tying as many sacks he had in the 2019 season he has six sacks right now he had six and a half. During the 2019 season, mm. I, he, I, you have to, you have to take, you have to take that. He's going to get that, that he's going to get over that six and a half. Especially if you look if especially against Colorado, I think that you, he, you can even say he gets maybe one or two against Colorado, maybe half a sack this week, maybe one, but I think he gets it against Colorado. He's already, he has three interceptions on this season, which in 2019, he only had one. And even in his, even in the COVID year last year, he had two sacks, uh, 48 total tackles, 33, which were solo, and a forced fumble in only five games. If that's the numbers he's putting up in five games, if you look at currently this season, 85 tackles, six sacks, three interceptions, um, one fumble recovery, and six passes defended. Those numbers are, pretty insane for a linebacker and especially a linebacker in the pack 12 where you have, you've had a history of really good linebackers coming out of the conference and especially at Utah.
1: You, you do. And I think it's it, especially recently, there's just been a really impressive trend of Utah getting that linebacking position up to, up to where it always kind of was expected to be. You know, I think that's not to knock guys like Chaz Walker and, and, you know, some of the earlier, um, you know, Matt Martinez and and, and others uh, that are escaping my mind right now. Um, but it's just that the Cody Bartons, the the Chase Hansons, you know, uh, Johnny Paul, I think those were all guys that were truly uh, high caliber linebackers that really excelled in the system. And I think Devin's really done a good job of not only maintaining the culture, but building it. And that can be a really important part of it, too. Um yeah, I, I mean, it's a great honor for him. I think he's going to have a great opportunity to showcase his skill set in the Reese's Senior Bowl. Um, it's been a truly uh, uh, phenomenal experience to watch him play this year. And I think, you know, for a guy who kind of, um, he was probably good enough to leave last year for him to come back and do what he's done for Utah. Like th- this team does it's, not.
0: It's, it, it's I'm speechless because it's he's great. Like he could have made money last year, but he came back and I think he's honestly boosted his stock this year with the numbers he's put up. And I've said this to people before, like I stumbled upon an interview I did with Devin during, I think the 2018, 2019, no, the 2019 season. And to hear him talking from the 2019 season, to hear his interviewing skills today, it is night and day. This man means business both on the field and off of it. And that's something that I think NFL scouts are going to love.
1: Yeah. And, and I mean, uh, Sammy, I was going to try and tie it up with something nice and, and clever and anything like that. And it's just like you did such a good job of wrapping that up for you. I don't want to <laughs> even try and push it this any further. Um, thank you, as always, for joining us on the podcast. Thank other you people- for having me. Every time, anytime, every time. Uh, we owe you, to be honest. Um, where can the folks find you?
0: Um, you can find me on Twitter at S underscore Mora 99. Um, hot takes, articles, stuff <laughs> like that. Uh, writing for utezone.com. Um, and yeah, I think that's it. My time with the trib is sadly dwindling because high school football is coming to a close.
1: But that, you know, that I, we're not too far away from gymnastics, and I have a feeling that, uh, you know.
0: <laughs> Don't start me about gymnastics, Brian. You know how excited I get. <laughs> I do. I do. And
1: we'll definitely uh, make sure to have you share that excitement with us uh, as the season rolls on and we transition from football into basketball, gymnastics, and everything else as we go uh, through the season with Locked On Utes covering the University of Utah Athletic Department. Uh, Thank you, Sammy, so much. Uh, Wanted to wrap this episode up by just reminding you that you can tune in to Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It is free and available on all platforms. If you're going to do that that bet online or that prize pick, there's no better place to go to get your advice than Locked On Bets. This has been the Locked on News podcast for November the 17th, 2021. Thank you again, Sammy. We will be back again tomorrow, uh, likely with Jake Hatch. So, uh, yeah, switching things up for once, getting the co-host in the chair across from me. Uh, I believe Cole, uh, our our good friend Cole Bagley, has got the night off. So we'll try and circle back with him uh, later on in the week. Uh, But in the meantime, be sure to tell your friends about us.
0: Bye.